and welcome to a very special episode 36 of Hidden Wings and Bloodlust, a podcast about ladybirds and ladybugs around the world. I'm your host, Rachel. Today, we're going to be talking about ladybirds in Palestine. My guests today are Mohammed Najajra and Marzin Kumzia. Mohammed is the museum manager and an environmental biologist at the Palestine Museum of Natural History at the Palestine Institute for Biodiversity and Sustainability at the University of Bethlehem. Marzin is the founder and director of the museum and has written four books, the most recent being Sharing the Land of Canaan, on the Israeli occupation and the possibility of coexistence within the region, as well as over 140 scientific articles on a range of topics. After seeing the awful scenes of devastation and violence in Gaza, Jerusalem and other parts of Palestine and Israel, I reached out to them after viewing a study they co-authored on ladybirds found in the West Bank. Palestine is an area that is very rich in biodiversity and indeed 35 different species of ladybird were found in the study. At the start of the interview, Mohammed Ajajra refers to a ladybird called Nephis Perim Hoffi, which was originally introduced to Palestine and Israel, but was unable to be found in subsequent Israeli research until it was rediscovered in their study of the West Bank in 2019. There's also a huge variety of different birds, bats, amphibians, and a host of other species. So here is my interview with Mohammed and Marzin. You might not agree with some of the answers, but their voices need to be heard. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. Unfortunately, there were some issues with the sound, especially at the beginning. So apologies in advance. Hope you enjoy the interview. both working on currently? Uh, for me, I'm wo- uh, working now in Palestinian Museum of Natural History as a, muse- as a museum manager. I'm Dr. Mazin. And Dr. Mazin is the director of the Palestine Institute for Biodiversity and Sustainability and the uh, Palestine Museum of Natural History. He's the co-founder of the, of the museum and the institute. What we are working on, we have about 10 projects in focusing on research, conservation, and education, but various aspects of nature and the Palestinian environment. There's lists on our website. You can see more about what we do from annual report and so forth. So how did you both get involved in research on conservation and wildlife? Um, so how did we get involved in research, conservation on wildlife? Well, for me personally, it was when my uncle used to take me with him in the field when I was a child, got me interested in nature, and that's how I got involved uh, in the beginning uh, childhood. And then I did my bachelor, master's, and PhD in biology, and 
As they say, the rest is history. Muhammad, you want to add yeah. your side? For me, from my side, I studied in the agriculture. Yeah. Uh, because I, uh, I love the natural things and using natural things. Uh, so I like to, uh, to work on uh, the lady beetles. Yeah, yeah. And I decided to study yeah. more in my master thesis to study more about the lady beetles. But when I start to work, mm -hmm. uh, to volunteer in the museum here in the beginning, okay. uh, I know more about how to know uh, mm -hmm. about the lady beetles that first I should uh, study the lady beetles, know about the lady beetles in Palestine. Mm -hmm. So for that, I to do my, uh, my master thesis yeah. about it. Uh, uh, study of the lady beetles of the West Bank. Oh wow! Yeah. So, because I cause I read that article and there were um, I think thirty five. You found thirty five different species. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Um. So, um, have I always ask everyone that comes on the show this question? Have you seen any ladybirds, beetles, lady beetles? Have you seen any recently? Some of them, the seven spotted lady beetle, that is, we see it recently because of the hot weather now and uh, dry weather, and dry weather. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, which one, is that the most common ladybird in, in Palestine? Um, or is there another one that's more common? The seven-spotted lady, be lady beetle is the most common in, in Palestine. Yeah. And that is in our study. And also everyone here uh, from the, our community, mm. they think the uh, seven-spotted lady beetle. And most of the people, they know uh, this uh, species. Yeah. Yes, for the the surprising thing about the lady beetles, mm. most of the people they know about just the seven-spotted lady beetle, which is the common one. Mm. And they thought, uh, when we are kids to, and we're growing with, while we're seeing this uh, insect around, and we didn't know at all that, uh, or we didn't imagine that we will find through this study mm. 35 species in just part of the the West Bank. Mm. That was a surprising thing. Uh, yeah. Of all the species found yeah. it, especially that no one studied the lady beetles in the West Bank of Palestine mm. uh, before. This is the first study of the lady beetles. It's the first study. Wow. That's fantastic. And um, yeah, because I when I was reading when I was reading the study, I read that there was one lady beetle there that was um, previously thought to be um, to not be found anymore in Palestine or to be to have been extinct. But I think you found it, didn't you? Yeah, that one they studied in in Israel, uh, but they didn't uh, study the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they in in Israel, they they didn't find it again, but uh, okay. through our study, we found it that it, uh, it's here in the West Bank. That's fantastic. 
So what about in um in Gaza? Like, because I know when I was when I was researching this episode, I found that um not very many studies of wildlife have actually been done in Gaza in general. Like, I know I did read one by I think Fata Ab. Abu, I think his name is, and he was saying that um he was talking about birds and things. But I have there actually been many studies of um invertebrates and things like that in the in Gaza, or is it mostly just in the in the West Bank? Yeah, I mean there's uh, some work. We still have, of course, a long way to go. Yeah, to do some more work, but on all, everything, everything here has not. Every, uh, just about everything we look at needs more research. Also, I noticed when I was uh, doing research on the episode that a lot of um, the the nature reserves in, I think the west in the West Bank, um, Palestinians don't actually have any access to um, because of the Israeli occupation. And I just wondered, like, does that? Um, would you like to say? Would either of you like want to say something about that? Yeah, I mean, it's not just occupation we have here. Mm. We have mm. a settler colonial system that's mm. intent in destroying our uh, people and destroying mm. nature and everything else because that's what settler colonialists do. Whether in North America, the Europeans came and killed two million buffaloes or whether mm. one uh, in South Africa or in... Uh, and here, when uh, uh, Zionist colonization started, the idea is to reshape the country to their image of what it needs to be, yeah. which means basically they conduct a war on nature and people, mm. because mm. nature and people, native indigenous people, have lived in relative harmony with nature yeah. for thousands of years, and for them... This is not what they want. They don't want continuation uh, of the native people. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, because I, I read that um, the lot of the, the... I know that the uh, the Palestinian authorities didn't have... I read one article which said that, like, even to carry out, like, maintenance of the nature reserves, they couldn't do that because of the settlers and stuff. Yeah, most of the open areas are under control of the state of Israel. Israel wanted the remaining Palestinians into ghettos, mm. like the ghetto of Gaza or the ghetto of Bethlehem, etc. Yeah, yeah. Built up areas, already built up area from before 1967. Mm. Israel didn't want the Palestinians to spread out or expand mm. or anything like that. So they squeezed the Palestinians, surrounded us with walls mm. and other uh, barriers and preventing us from uh, doing anything with our nature. That's also part and parcel of uh, settler colonialism. Mm. Mm. And um, Marzin, like in one of the articles I read that you wrote, you described the sort of after effects of the Israeli occupation as a environmental Nakba and for anyone that listening that doesn't know the Nakba was like when the when when the state of Israel was established the Palestinians were expelled from the land that's now um that's now part of the state and I just wanted to ask you like um have like first of all was that 
um, have I gave given an accurate summary? And also, was why like what were some of the effects on the environment? Like, why was it so bad? Let me just give you a few very quick examples because of yeah. the time. Uh, I mean, the first project that the Zionist mm. uh, established in Palestine was uh, removing the people. Removing the people in uh, the Hula wetland areas in the north and draining the wetlands. This is uh, one of their major quote-unquote achievements, which resulted in destruction of 119 species. The second major project that they did yeah. was uh, diversion of the water of the Jordan Valley mm. from Lake Tiberias to the west through what they call the Israel National Water Carrier. Yeah. And that dried up the Jordan Valley, destroyed agriculture and destroyed nature also in the Jordan Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they are doing another mega project, which is to uh, transfer water from the Red Sea, desalinate it and dump the sludge in the Dead Sea, which is a lake in the Jordan Valley. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and then, of course, they put their, uh, they developed uh, uh, industries that are highly polluting, mm. like arms industries, electronics industries, etc. And they put those right next to Palestinian areas or next to nature areas, mm. and that destroyed habitats. That's you know fourth one, and then the fifth one is like when they destroyed the Palestinian villages and towns. Yeah and destroyed all the trees around them, diversity of trees, like both domestic and wild trees, domestic trees like uh, olives and almonds and mm-hmm. figs and so on, and wild trees like carob and, and oaks and so on. They destroyed all these trees and replaced them with uh, with basically uniform culture mm-hmm. of uh, European pine trees. And I could go on and on about the impact of colonialism. Yeah. But it's Devastating. Yeah. Um, there's also, I think, in um, certainly like in the media here, there's been a lot of coverage about how something like 91% of the water in the West Bank goes towards Israeli settlements. And I just wondered, like, how does it affect? I don't know if either of you want to say, like, how how does that affect the environment currently? Well, I mean, uh, yes, Israel took our water, stole our water, I should mm. say. Yeah. Uh, from, right from under our feet, basically. They prevent Palestinians from using our water resources. Yeah. And yeah, use the water for their own usage, uh, but also primarily so they can deny access to Palestinian, of Palestinians to water. Yeah. Because they eventually want to transform this country from multi-ethnic, multi-religious, even multicultural society to make yeah. it the Jewish state of Israel. And since the Palestinians are not Jewish, so to speak, uh, they are uh, denied uh, basic rights like the right to mm-hmm. their natural resources. What that means on practical terms is that Palestinians get less water. Yeah. What the World Health Organization says is good for healthy living. Yeah. And uh, the Israelis get six, seven, eight, sometimes nine or ten more uh, times water than the Palestinians get, in, uh, depending mm. on the area. Um, yeah. 
that's that's the reality of the denial so that the Palestinian economy and livelihood suffers so mm-hmm. that Palestinians can't live here and they eventually leave. Yeah, and also like um I read that the wall that was that was built, um I read one article that said that it was interfering with um interfering with uh, the environment too and I wondered if either of you want to say something about that. Yeah, I mean, there is a, just for the sake of the audience, uh, you need to know there's a segregation wall. It's a apartheid wall. Yeah. The wall yeah. is uh, weaves through the West Bank. Its intention is not related mm. to security as, as his right to no. use mm. propaganda to claim it has to do with security. It doesn't have anything to do with security. There are also Israelis on both sides of the wall, there are Palestinians on both sides of the wall. Mm. The only purpose of the wall is to hinder Palestinian economic development and to steal our land and natural resources. So preventing farmers from getting to their fields with equipment, etc., and eventually confiscating those fields. This is the whole uh, purpose of mm. the wall. Uh, the wall is actually uh, mm. uh, two or three times higher than the Berlin Wall and about five times longer than the Berlin Wall was. And um, obviously this has environmental impact uh, on the local mm. fauna and flora, I would say. Even, for example, on the flora aspect, yeah. by rerouting water passageways and so forth, it has a direct impact on the flora, on the fauna, of course, in large uh, land mammals like gazelles, etc., wolves cannot cross easily, mm. so their habitats are disrupted and and they end up suffering because of that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I mean, I read I read um, I think an article that um, it might if might have been you, it might have been someone else wrote about that. It was yeah, really really terrible um and uh yeah like i mean that's not and um yeah that's awful um something that we've got a bit of a problem with in the uk is like um there's a lot of i suppose like environmental degradation that happens because of agriculture and like for example like the number of pesticides that get used and like sometimes even in parks that are managed for conservation they end up using pesticides and things like is there a similar issue in, in palestine or in general the, the farmers they like the easy way to manage the pests and disease on the on the plants so they heavily mm. use the yeah, yeah. Uh, pesticides to managing the aphids the scale insects and like uh, those things on yeah. the plants uh, to get more money from the, their production. But recently, the, yeah. because of the our farmers, mostly the the whole family is working on the agriculture, like the, and, uh, the men yeah. and their yeah. uh, sons, they're working together in the farms. And there is many spreading mm. of uh, cancers uh, in the farmers' fa- uh, families. So for that, farmers now, they... Yeah. More able to uh, any idea or anything about using the lady beetles or the natural enemy uh, for attacking mm. the insects and the pests on the plants. 
because they uh, they seeing now how much it, they affected uh, from the using of the pesticides. Sorry. Um, so you saying that um, now there's more awareness of. This is after what we here. Just trying to make people aware and reduce using pesticides, use biological controls, etc., better methods, etc. Uh, part of it is this neoliberal uh, colonialism that's spreading around the world, of course, and mm. uh, the attitude consumerism yeah. and industrialized agriculture. We are against that and we want to go back to what indigenous yeah. people have done always, which is live in relative harmony mm. with nature without much uh, damage to the environment. Like my grandfather lived without producing mm. anything called garbage or uh, stuff like that. Yeah. That's what we want yeah. uh, people to go back to. And um, do you think there's more of an awareness now yes. among um, Palestinians? That yes. That's really good. And um, in terms of the the Palestinian authorities, do they have any sort of policies on on wildlife or um, or anything like that? Do they um, are they able to like put anything in place? Well, I mean, Palestine, as you know, is occupied. So yeah, the nascent uh, interim it was supposed to be interim Palestinian Authority was to prepare and yeah. grow into statehood, basically, eventually. So they started to mm -hmm. act like a state and plan its use of natural resources, plan even uh, set mm -hmm. up in 1999, for example, Palestinian uh, uh, biodiversity strategy and action plans for yeah. the state. And uh, they have uh, in 1999 also uh, so just four or five years after they were established, they set up uh, a Palestinian environmental law and uh, so forth. Mm -hmm. We're now, by the way, revising both. We're, uh, they tasked us as the Palestine Institute for Biodiversity and Sustainability with the task of uh, looking at these things like the biodiversity strategies and see if we can mm -hmm. update them. Uh, because the first strategies... They were done assuming we will get statehood right away or soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the problem is we talked about earlier, we don't have much control of our natural resources. No. Because our colonizers, occupiers still control them. So it's hard to plan, mm. you know, or try to manage even uh, aspects of it. We can only do certain things and we are doing mm the best we can do under very, very difficult circumstances, really impossible circumstances. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, what you said um, just now about the, the in the Israeli settlements, the planting like European pine trees and like species that are not supposed to be there. And that we like, we know that everywhere in the world where this has been done, it never leads to a to a good outcome at all for like either people or like the natural environment. Yeah. 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 Um, I also wondered. Um, so, I mean, in the UK, um, ladybirds are really quite known as being quite beneficial. You see them on a lot of 
even like sort of fashion items and things and they're seen as a sort of sign of good luck and i just wondered how are um how are they sort of seen in palestinian culture are there like songs and things like that or you do add, uh, as I told you, the seven spotted lady beetles. Yeah. The most yeah. common one. Most of the people, uh, and like us, when we were uh, kids, mm. we were putting, uh, putting it on mm. the, our fingers and saying, uh, uh, or flying, flying, uh, 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 my lady beetle, uh, fly, fly. Uh, mm. You have very uh, dress. So the kids they like a lot uh, uh, to see it when uh, it's flying from their hands. That's really nice. Yeah, because I think yeah in the UK we've got a song um, something like Ladybird, Ladybird, fly away home, and you put it on your finger and it wait will you wait for it to fly? <laughs> yeah, we have to remember yeah. if I may. Uh add to that that this was the land uh, part of the fertile crescent where humans developed agriculture went from hunter gatherers yeah. to agricultural communities so mm. we are our proverbs and everything is deeply connected to nature even uh, like when uh, Netanyahu was uh, bombing Gaza we said he's plowing Gaza you know we use like uh, terms of mm. agricultural terms and terms mm. to uh, to refer to these things yeah because our heritage yeah. is agricultural natural connected yeah i know i've read like before like in the media when it's talking about like the the fact that there's a lot of olive as you said there's a lot of olive trees in palestine and mm-hmm. um figs and um almonds and things that are all growing and they're all growing naturally and yeah yes so I wondered as well, like how um, how does the museum educate people about wildlife and biodiversity? Like, what kind of what kind of um, things do you do you do? Do you like are you able to go into schools or um, or anything like that? You know, of course, uh, what happened during the mm. COVID nineteen is we had some problems in terms of uh, either going to schools because most of them Mm. were closed or in school buses coming here. But uh, our normal routine outside of of the pandemic, if I may say, uh, was uh, that we uh, create an environment here at the Mm. museum that allows the minds to grow in the same way we create an environment that allows uh, plants Mm. to grow in garden. We create an environment in which uh, minds grow, and that's basically what we are uh, mm. doing uh, through various mechanisms, educational modules, workshops. Uh, you know, uh, having people work with their hands. You know, mm. we we can like the Chinese saying that uh, you know I hear and I forget, I see and I remember, I do and I understand. Mm. So. We people to do things with their hands which makes them understand more yeah and yeah because i i know when um when the lockdown here was happening um basically the only thing that we were allowed to do was just like was was to go for walks and stuff in the in the countryside i think it's just hugely helpful for 
mental health, especially under the, um, it must be hugely helpful, especially under the sort of current situation to have a space like that where people can go. Absolutely. It's like an oasis in the middle mm. of this mayhem where people can come. And even yesterday we had a group of children. Uh, we were, uh, you know, giving them uh, kind of uh, using psychodrama, if you want, uh, to mm. help them uh, because uh, children here are subjected to a lot of pressures, yeah. colonizations, bombings, etc. Yeah. So, so this uh, this natural area uh, produces a very uh, safe environment for the people. Yeah, that's that's re- that's really good. It's just it's it's so helpful to get out in nature and just get away from get away from everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, what can people from outside Palestine um, who are listening? What can people do to support your work? Well, people can volunteer. Come join us. Uh, volunteer. Uh... Uh, in person here, or they can do it where they are, for example. Yeah. They can certainly donate. We are tax deductible in most countries. Mm. Uh, they can help us technically connect us with uh, people who can help us technically advise us or uh, provide support from scientific or non-scientific, like media work. So there are many ways. They can go on our website and has which has a lot more information along those lines. Our website is palestinenature.org. Okay, that's good, because I was just about to ask um, how they can... Are you sort of active on any of the social media or just the website? Yeah, also on Facebook, we have Facebook page, uh, Palestine Institute of Diversity and Sustainability. But again, on our uh, web page, they can find all the information. Mm. Okay. So, is there anything else you want to talk about today, or no? I uh, I think people should be aware that all of this stuff, uh, working together in joint struggle for mm. sustainability, humans and nature, around the globe, is uh, areas that are connected. All our struggles, wherever we are, are connected. Basically, important for people to get involved. And it's also a lot of fun and a mm. lot of enjoyment. And when I sit and do some planting of seeds, like I'm about mm. to go do now, and other things, that's to me like therapy from this mad world mm. that's on the road of uh, catastrophe, Nakba, as I call it, <laughs> climate change and other colonialism, neoliberal attitudes, etc. We need people mm. to be involved, mm. and once they get involved, they'll find hundreds of ways that they can act to make this a better world for everybody. Uh, what seeds are you going to plant? Oh, now, um, there's uh, cucumbers and some bean sprouts that are still there, and I need to go plant them. Amazing. Oh, wow. Um, what about... Um... What about you, uh, Mohammed? Is there anything that you wanted to um, to talk about? Or I enjoyed it meeting and uh, your interest about the Lady Beetles in Palestine. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on. Like I, 
I was really like I was really I was actually like really nervous like to speak I was really nervous to speak to you because um you know because uh, especially because like you know Marzin like you're the director of a museum and I I if I'm honest I wasn't even expecting a reply. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you both so much for coming on and talking to me. And I really hope that the um, situation in Palestine gets gets better very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.